This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Any warriors in the room? Anybody that battles worry or wrestles with worry and anxiety and fear? The passage that we're going to read this morning in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to stand with me please for the reading of God's word, we're going to start in verse 24. Now, over the past several weeks, between Pastor Dustin and myself, we have covered a lot of territory in chapter 6. We're going to finish that today, starting with verse 24. Hear the word of the Lord. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why. Why? Because you can't serve two things. You have to serve one or the other, he says. He's been talking about money, but it's not just about money here. It's about the idea that you have a divided heart. Then he says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Is it life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for their heavenly father feeds them. Notice this next line. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? So logical, isn't it? If God takes care of the birds, we're far more valuable to God than birds. Then he says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Now let me stop before I go further to tell you that's not a word of condemnation. It's a word of introspection. Why are you struggling to believe this? It's not about condemning you that you don't believe it enough because in fact of matter you do. But why are you struggling to put these things in God's hand? That's what he's saying. 31, don't worry about these things saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You ever heard anybody say don't borrow trouble? That's where that came from. You can be seated. Worry is defined as a concern or an anxiety about a real or imagined issue. It is a natural response to anticipation of future problems. Research from Towson University suggests that you and I worry as a way to emotionally 
prepare ourselves for negative outcomes. In other words, we worry because we're trying to get ready for what we think is going to come. Worry is a very human thing that we do. And so in the passage, Jesus speaks to it. He speaks to the, the influence of worry and he speaks to the battle for fear and anxiety. And he wants every one of us to know that he knows what our needs are before we ever ask him. So how do you wrestle with the worry that you're dealing with? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I, I just want to offer you a couple of things that I think this passage just lifts up and become very obvious when you, when you spend some time with it. Here's the first thing. I think Jesus says you have to decide which side you're on. You have to decide which side you're going to be on. Because the enemy wants to make you believe that, that God is not in control. That life is out of control and you are just living through this chaotic experience with no real hope that there is any clarity. But that's not true. The devil is a liar because God in fact is in control and God's control over your life and your circumstances and this world is without exception. There isn't anything going on that God's not in control of. He knows where you are. He knows what's taking place. And he wants you to have confidence and to decide, I'm on the Lord's side. I believe what God has said. You see, what the devil did in the garden was he took the word of the Lord and he twisted it just a little bit and then said, did God really say? What he's trying to do is to get you to fall away from what God has said and to not trust in what the Lord has said. Notice what Jesus said in 24. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. What he's telling you is that the divided heart will never find peace. Your divided heart will never be completely and totally surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the starting point is an absolute commitment to God. Look at the screen, James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. What's he saying? You have to decide. You have to decide what you're going to believe. You have to decide where you stand. You have to decide which side you're going to be on. Remember that story in Acts 27 when Paul is on the boat? And they have spent nearly two weeks fighting against that storm, trying to come to grips with that, and they've lost all hope that they're going to survive that terrible typhoon that came against them. Remember what Paul said? He said, listen, we've been fighting this and you've not been eating, but I'm encouraging you to eat because we're going to make it. And I know the reason we're going to make it is because God has spoken to me. An angel of the Lord came and stood by me and said, Paul, you're going to survive this. You're going to get through this. And then he finishes by saying, brothers, I believe God. 
that exactly what God has said is going to come to pass. Listen to me this morning. You may be walking through a thousand midnights in your soul. You may not be able to sleep at night. You may not be able to get through the day without fear and anxiety. But I'm telling you this morning, you serve a God who is more than able to take care of you. A God who is on His throne and declares to you today that you will get through this. Listen to the word of the Lord, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? If you've got God on your side, there's not anything this world can do to you. There isn't anything that society can do. There isn't anything that your fears and anxieties can do. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? Then notice what he finishes in 32 by saying. He said, well... If God has already given us His Son, how would He not also freely give to us all things that we need? You know what He's saying? He's saying, listen, God's already given you Jesus. Why would He not take care of the thing that you're bothered with right now? He's already given you the best that he had. Why would he withhold the deliverance and the peace that you need in your heart today? I'm encouraging you this morning to be confident that you serve a God that knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And the enemy wants to think you'll never get through this. But on the authority of God's word, I tell you, you will get through this. You will overcome in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen this morning. How to do it? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first in your life. Sometimes you have to stop and realize, where am I? What happened to me? What have I done? Maybe I've, maybe I've de deviated away. Maybe he isn't Lord of my life anymore. Maybe I haven't made him the supreme Lord of my life and that's why I'm struggling. I'm telling you, seek first the kingdom of God. And he said, then all of these things will be added unto you. You have to decide whose side that you are on. Jesus goes through this discourse with very practical language, doesn't he? He said, don't worry about everyday life. Don't worry about these kind of things because... Your heavenly Father already knows what you need. You know, sometimes when I'm praying here in the sanctuary and I like to just sit here on this little wall and I'll just sit out here in the dark and I'll just pray, sometimes I, I feel really foolish because it sounds like I'm trying to catch God up on what's happening in our church. God, I'm praying today for Michelle Lewis. I mean, you know, Michelle Lewis, it's like God would say, I already knew that. I already knew that. You don't catch God up on what's going on in life. He already knows. Not only does he know what's going on, but he knows what's coming. Come on now. He knows where you are and he knows where you're going. And he's already making provision for you so that when you get where you're going, the resources that you need are already going to be there. He says, don't worry about what's going on in the world. You know, it's, it's really hard sometimes if you just fill your head with the noise of this world. It's really hard sometimes not to get concerned, not to worry. Juan Kimball and I had a conversation this week. 
and all, all the things that are going on. What would we do if some shooter walked into this room? Now, I don't know how many people in this room are carrying a weapon right now, but it could be like a shootout at the OK Corral. Bullets flying all over the place. Because I, I mean, I'm just saying, what would happen? And so we, we're constantly working to create a secure environment. People who work these services, work this building, work this property to try to provide as secure. But at the end of the day, our faith is not in each other, it's in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Our faith isn't in people. You look at this world and all that's going on, it's easy to get messed up. And think that everything is out of control. No, it's not. It's not out of control. It's not out of control. It may feel like it is, but all, remember what Peter said. Peter said, all these things are happening just as the Lord predicted. I'm going to choose to be on the Lord's side. He even said things like, why are you worried about what you're going to wear? See, I don't worry about what I wear because Shelly tells me what to wear. Takes all the stress and pressure out of me. Why are you worried about what you can wear? And he uses the example, he said, look at the flowers out there in the field. God makes sure those flowers are adorned and they're beautiful and they're seasoned. And he said, if God can do that, can God take care of you and your babies? Can God take care of you and your husband? Can God take care of you and your finances? He goes on to talk about birds. He said, these birds, they don't store food in barns. They just depend on their heavenly father. It's just a part of the creative process. God takes care of them. And he says, you're way more valuable to God than a bird. In fact, if I were to take the time and pin you down this morning, you would have to admit that God's faithfulness to you has been more than you imagined that it could be. In moments when you didn't know how you were going to make it, in moments when you were not sure how things were going to go, the faithfulness of God has sustained you and kept you and provided for you and fed your family and clothed you and given you a job and gave you a car. And whatever it might be, whatever testimony you're trying to tell, it's about the fact that God has always taken care of you. And circumstances can't change that because God's promises are eternal. God's promises to you are faithful and steadfast and they're eternal. And the promises God made to you years ago are still true today. And the promises God made to you last week are still true. No matter what the devil says, no matter what happened in the world last night, God's promises are true. You can count on God to keep his word. Now listen, I'm not, there's no condemnation here this morning. But it is true that sometimes we allow things to influence us whose intent by the enemy is to shake our faith. Because sometimes the devil will say to me, well, I guess God didn't take care of them kids over there in that elementary school. And there are some things in life that cannot be explained. But what I am telling you this morning is this. There is a God in heaven who has never missed a moment of your life. 
I'll say more about this next week. We're going to talk about prayer. But I was thinking about this this week. How does God listen to 20 million prayers at the same time? People all over the world pray, and God hears every one of those prayers, knows exactly what every person is saying. It's just a picture of how awesome God is. How great God is. And, and I never, I, I just never cease to be amazed. You could have a, an audience like this, several hundred people sitting here, and I'm talking to you right now, and you know your situation, and somebody beside you has an entirely different situation. And when church is over, you'll say to me, I think the Lord told me something today. I feel like that message was just for me. That's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm accomplished. It's simply the fact that the Holy Spirit knows where you are. And the Bible said that His Word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And God knows where you are. And He's fashioning the words. He's speaking to you. Every one of you are hearing God speak to you at the very place where you are right now. Decide whose side are you on. Are you going to put your confidence in the Lord? Are you going to give the Lord the full trust that He has this? Even when you don't see the way out, even when you don't know how it's going to play out, can you put your full trust in the Lord to see you through? There are three statements here that I'm going to make very quickly and then we're going to come to a time of prayer. Here's the first statement. There is futility in our worry. Notice what Jesus said. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? If you spent the rest of your life worrying, would it add anything to your life? Would you be any closer to God? Would you be any closer to resolution? Would you have any opportunity for greater peace? No. No. There's futility in worry. Shelly and I sometimes use a phrase when we're talking about this concept, not necessarily this particular thing, but this concept of how sometimes you can become invested in something that's not going anywhere. And we call it sideways energy. You're, you're investing your energy in something that's not taking you forward, it's taking you sideways. You're not getting anywhere, but you're using up all of your energy doing nothing that's going to help you to accomplish anything. And that's what Jesus said worry is. It's sideways energy. You're giving yourself to a pursuit that's never going to deliver you to any destination because you're just going sideways. You're using up your energy. And I know, I, I've had my battles with anxiety. I remember one time being so overcome with anxiety that I thought I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't function. I lost weight because I couldn't eat. I mean, I, I was losing my mind. I was hearing voices in my head, and I didn't know what in the world was happening to me. I'll never forget it. I was just a young man and trying to raise a family and trying to build my career. And I mean, I was falling apart. After about three weeks, my wife was so nervous and so worried about what was going on, she called my dad. My dad and mom drove down to where I was. I'm, I've never forgotten this moment. I was sitting in the recliner in our house, kind of laid back in the recliner. You'd have, some of you have met my dad. You never got to meet my mother. My mom is that lovey-dovey, kissy-huggy personality everybody wants in their life. I mean, mom was always telling me, you know, you're the best son that was ever born to a woman. You're the great son. I'm so proud of you. Dad's such a meat and potatoes guy. 
So when they came in the door, she climbed up in the recliner with me. She's literally laying on, on the side of me, kissing me on the neck, and telling me how much she loves me. My dad stood over, the, uh, over that recliner and looked at me and said, you know what's wrong with you, kid? You're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, that's exactly why you're in the mess you're in. I wanted him to go home, I wanted her to stay. But it was true. I'd allowed myself to get spiritually lazy. And I had created an opening where the enemy had moved into my life and created fear and anxiety about my future. It's futile to invest yourself in worry. Here's the second statement. There's peace when we trust in God's care for us. As I said a moment ago, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of struggle. God's peace is not going to take away every struggle that you have. What peace is, it is rest in the middle of the struggle. It's like the world's coming apart, but I'm at rest. I'm at peace because I know whose side I'm on. I know who my Lord is. I know who my keeper is. And my trust is in Him. Here's the third one. There is order in our worship. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about these things. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Your heavenly father already knows this. So here's what you do. You put your focus on Jesus. You put your focus on the Lord. You make him the priority of your life. You make him the focus of what you're trying to do. And he will give you everything that you need. First things first, he said. Worship God. Serve Him. And then all the things that we worry about pale in significance. I remember saying one time to somebody in this church that I was trying to encourage in a season of high anxiety. I said, you know, this is going to sound really odd. But when I had one of my bouts with anxiety, I figured out that I could not pray my way out of anxiety. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I would get down on my knees and I would start telling God how anxious I was and I'd get more anxious. The more I talked about my anxiety, the more anxious I became. I said, what I learned was that I had to worship my way out of anxiety. That I had to worship my way out of depression, fear, and worry. That there's something that happens in worship. God made me to worship Him, Don Tyree. He made me to glorify Him. And when I don't worship Him, when I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I get out of alignment with Him. But I'm telling you, when I worship Him, and everybody doesn't worship the same, and I understand that, but when I get involved in worship, something happens to my spiritual psyche. Something happens in my spirit when I begin to realize that He's my God and I serve Him. Can I be honest? I know I can, but sometimes I don't feel like worshiping the Lord. Sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like worshiping the 
And Jerome and this team comes out here and they're all jacked up and they're all excited and they want us to shout and have a good time and I don't feel like it. But there's something that happens when I lift my hands when I don't feel like it. And when I sing, when I don't feel like singing, there's something that happens in my spirit that arises up in me and says, God is on His throne and God is able to take care of me. We say sometimes when we're worshiping, let's magnify the Lord. Well, I had to think in one day, how do you do that? How do you make God bigger than He is? He's already bigger than everything. How do you make Him bigger? That's not what we mean by that. When we say let's magnify the Lord, we're talking about in our own eyes. Let's make God big in our own eyes. When we sing, you're an incredible God. You're an awesome God. We're reminding ourselves that we don't serve a God that can't take care of us. We don't serve a God that can't supply our need. And when we sing and worship and glorify the Lord, something happens in our heart that reminds us that we will win because God is our keeper. God is our keeper. There's order in worship. Jerome and the team will get ready. I'm going to remind you of a couple things and then we're going to pray. It's about a principle about perspective. What the perspective is of life and how you live it and who gets your worship. Who gets what you're going to contribute and give. And I'm not talking about money, but I'm talking about of yourself. How that everything that you are, at some point, you have to decide, does it in fact belong to God or is it mine? And if it's mine, it depends on me. If it's His, it's on Him. And I'm reminding you this morning that He can take care of it all. 7.7 billion people on the face of this earth. He knows every one of them. The Bible said he knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He knows our rising up and our laying down. He knows our past, our present, and our future. And when we stop and realize who that is, and we know that he has covered us, now let me just say this very carefully because I, I, I come with an incredible compassion this morning for some of you that have struggled so much. There's no attempt here to minimize what you've been through. Some of you suffered a lot. You've been through some stuff. and There's been trauma that has affected you and there's been things that have happened in your life that have been difficult for you to be able to overcome. There's no shame or harm in seeking help and finding even professional help if necessary to work through the issues and the challenges and the struggles that perhaps have been imposed on you by somebody or something. But there is also this other principle that when you put your trust in God, God responds by providing you the peace that is necessary to know that all is well. All is well. We got some folks in our church that have recently received diagnoses of cancer. It's scary. 
It's scary when a doctor tells you that you have cancer. But that's where God's peace is. God's peace doesn't say there's no cancer, although he can certainly do that. God's peace says, despite what the doctor said, Some of you have struggled with marriage and family. You've wondered if it was going to come out, if, if your world was going to come apart. God's peace says there are probably some unexplainable things in your life, but I've got you. I've got you. I don't know why your mama left. I don't know why your dad didn't stay. I don't know why somebody imposed on you, abused you, neglected you I don't have an answer for that but what I do have is a promise that God's got you he's got you and that's why this is so countercultural, isn't it because in a world that feels like it's falling apart the believer says no it's not God's got me and I walk in faith and not fear I live in confidence that God is my provider, that He is my keeper. Paul reminds us in Romans 8 that in all of these things, what things? All the calamity, all the struggles, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through Him. That's how we conquer. Tracy, that's how we win, not in us, not in our strength, but through Him. In Him we are more than conquerors. Let me finish with this. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. The level of our anxiety and the level of our worry and fear are the product of how much we trust God. Now, I want to remind you that this is not about condemnation. It's about deliverance. But at some point, we have to face the fact that the worries and the anxieties that we have at some level are connected to how much we trust God. I was 27 years old. Thought I was losing my mind. Voices were whispering to me in the night, you're never going to live long enough to see your children grow up. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to do anything. Everything I read in the newspaper pointed me toward despair. Everything I heard from somebody else, I thought, yeah, I've got that same pain. I couldn't sleep at night. Finally, I decided, you know, that day my dad came down. He told me, he said, you know, I had a problem like this one time. I just decided if I was going to wake up that I was going to use the time to read my Bible and pray. I said, okay, I can do that. First night, I'm sweating profusely from my nerves, my anxiety that something's wrong with me. And I got up with my Bible and I went in the other room and I laid in the floor and I began read God's word sometime in the night I would fall asleep and they would find me with my head in the Bible that went on for three weeks 
until I came to this verse of Scripture. It's on the screen, 1 John 4. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody in this room, close your eyes. I want you to take your right hand and place it on your heart. And I want you to repeat this after me. God, I love you. Let's do it again. God, I love you. God, I know that you love me. God, I will worship you. The next time you're anxious, you can open your eyes. The next time you're worried, the next time you're fearful, do that. God, I love you. I know you love me. And I choose to worship you. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.